0: You're already there. Open to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. If you look at the uh, front of your bulletin, I put a quote there from A.W. Tozer which I think is very uh, very appropriate. In light of uh, what we've been studying, look at the front of your bulletins if you have it there, by A.W. Tozer, it says, God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear. And conversely, those who do not so prepare themselves will hear nothing, even though the word of God is falling upon their outer ears every Sunday. God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear. And conversely, those who do not so prepare themselves will hear nothing, even though the Word of God is falling upon their outer ears every Sunday. Father, I think about this quote by Tozer. And Father... Our desire is to hear. Our desire is not just to go through another church service, but literally, supernaturally, to hear you through the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And yet, Lord, we know that uh, there are choices we need to make to so prepare ourselves, and, and that begins with our heart a heart that is open and receptive, a heart that says, Lord, I'm listening. And so, Father, as we prepare to hear Your Word, Lord, may our hearts and our minds be prepared. And we've learned in the Old Testament in the Shema that to hear implicitly means to respond the book of James it says not just to be hearers but doers and and so Father again it's not just about hearing audible sounds it's about listening to the application of your truth to our lives so Lord we yield we submit in the best way we know how we're prepared to listen this morning so we love you we love your word and now we ask that you would do what only you can through the ministry of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew 14, verse 22, the story that will kick us off. We looked at it last Sunday. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Matthew 14, verse 23 and 24. When evening came, He was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. We're talking about pressing on in 2015. And specifically last week and the week before, we're we're talking about if we're going to press on in our covenant diatheke relationship with God, we need to be able to hear His voice. He's our shepherd, we're the sheep, and he simply says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So there's really a simplicity to our relationship with Jesus. We are just simply to what? Follow him. If you think about when he called his early disciples, he didn't go into some really big theological discourse and and all of this kind of stuff. He simply said, hey, follow me. There was a simplicity to it. And, and we're trying to learn biblically, what does it mean to, to follow Him, to hear His voice? To hear His voice. And, and we saw in the weeks past that there are a lot of competing voices in our world, right? Satan, the world's value system, right? False teachers who intentionally are trying to deceive us. Ourself. The heart says, you know, the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Sometimes the loudest voice is us. Self-criticism. Right? Sometimes, and this is a biggie, we saw that some of the competing voices in our life are other people, even well-meaning Christians, who come alongside and want to comfort you and console you, maybe try to counsel you, but inadvertently give you unbiblical guidance. And we saw that in the book of Job, right? Job's three friends, with the best of intentions, giving them the benefit of the doubt, misrepresent God. And in Job 42, right, what does God do? He, he calls them out straight to their face. Hey, you need to repent because you misrepresented me. I know you may not have meant it intentionally, you know, giving you, but, but you were wrong. What you were telling Job about sin and punishment and suffering was wrong. And so sometimes we have to be very careful, even with well-meaning believers, you know, that come alongside and and start saying certain things about your life and about God and the Bible. You always got to take it with a grain of salt and always have to say, well, is that biblical? I know you love me. I know you care about me. But I got to check that. I got to check that, right? And then we looked at some other competing voices. Fear, worry. Right? Anxiety. Self-criticism. Oh, you're never going to amount to everything. Oh, there you go again. Oh, how could you be so? Right? Anyone? That, sometimes that's the loudest voice, is that, that self-negative talk. And we're trying to weave through this, and we're trying to say, Lord, like Peter, right? There's this storm brewing. There's waves. There's wind. You've got to remember, the, the other guys might be screaming, you know? There's a lot going on, and they, they see Jesus. They freak out. They think he's a ghost because he's at 3 a.m. and he's walking on water. They hear, somebody says out there, hey, don't be afraid. They hear a voice, hey, it's me, don't be afraid. And P- Peter's like, if that's you, in the midst of all that swirling around out there and even in my head, tell me to come. And there's a principle here of a difference between faith and recklessness. And faith and presumption. Peter is going to... He wants to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to check here. I'm going to check here. You know? And for some of us, it's very important as you walk by faith and as God calls you to get out of your boat in life, there are certain things you can do to say, Lord, is that you? Is that you? Because you're asking me to do something way out of my comfort zone way out and i got to do my best to be sure that I'm hearing from you. That I'm hearing from you. Right? Last week, if you see in your notes there, we uh, looked at some beginning principles, some keys, right? And just understand, these are kind of general foundational principles. Sometimes in our life, guys, i got to tell you this. The hard part for me when I make these, you know, pastors, we like all these little, oh, look, it all begins with S and there's five of them. You know, we, we try to get overly cute but here's the thing. I mean, it's serious, right? S, S, S. Oh, that was sweet. I got that. Look at all the S's. Here's the thing. The thing I guard against even giving you this is that we, we, we want our relationship with Jesus to be formulaic. Give me the five steps. Right? You go to Barnes & Noble. Three steps to happiness. Ten steps to losing weight. Right? Eight steps to having a great marriage. And we want these steps. And we want someone to just tell us what to do. And we're going to stick to the formula. And we're going to put a line and everything's going to be okay. It's all going to equal. The way it's supposed to. How many of you know that life is messy? How many of you know that you make a plan? You work the plan. And you're excited about the plan. And you put the line there. And you go and you add it all up. And the plan didn't work, right? And sometimes in our in our relationship with the Lord, guys, I got to tell you, it's a relationship. There are principles, there are some key, you know, keys, principles, whatever you want to say, that can help enhance a relationship. But it's not a formula. How many of you in a relationship, whether it's in boyfriend girlfriend, uh, husband wife, how many of you just know that a relationship takes hard work, takes investment? How many of you know that maybe the person sitting next to you, your formula doesn't always work on them? In fact, many of you tore up the formula and just gave up a long time ago. Okay, that's, that's life. That's relationship. Yes, it's hard work and it takes investment. And yes, there are principles of communication. People come to premarital counseling. Let's talk about how you're going to communicate. Let's talk about uh, conflict resolution. Let's talk about... Um, financial. So there are principles that you can apply, but try not to get formulaic. So what? That, I say that with you because something like this, it's like, well, Pastor Richie said, if I do these five things, I'm going to hear God's voice. Maybe. <laughs> if you do these five things, here's the thing, you'll stay in very safe ground. You'll, you'll be on a path where, where you're pretty guarded and you put things in place to help you safely navigate this relationship, okay? But try not to make your relationship with the Lord so formulaic. It's a relationship. What is the greatest command? Love. Anyone figure that one out formulaically? I mean, right? You put that, you'd be a billionaire. How to love. Here's the love formula. No. Because you got two imperfect people at the human level trying to love each other. What? Right? So just, Take these as foundations, as principles that will help guide you in your relationship. Okay, I want to preface that. So the first one, we looked at it. Am I saved? If you want to hear God's voice, you've got to have a relationship with Him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Right? We saw in Corinthians that the man without the Spirit, the man who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't get spiritual truth. It's foolishness. Anyone of you ever try to share your faith with a non-believer and they just look like you, look at you like you're crazy? Okay. They don't get it. But at the end of Corinthians, we won't turn there. Verse 16 says, we had the mind of Christ. As a believer, what that means is, as a believer, because the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are able to understand spiritual truth. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. You get it. This makes sense to you. This makes sense helps you understand the world now. right? I often do this. right? You're developing a biblical worldview. Everything you see, because you have the mind of Christ, everything you see in the world gets filtered first through the Scriptures. Because it makes sense to you. What you see on TV, what you see in this community, it goes through the Word. That's your framework now. That's your paradigm. What you hear gets filtered through here. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. You're able you're able to understand spiritual truth. So you've got to be saved. You've got to know Jesus, right? Am I spirit-filled? Ephesians 5.18. Be ye being filled, right? A couple years ago, we spent a long time on the Holy Spirit. And I think we're coming around again to do another Holy Spirit series. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a person. The third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not Casper the Ghost. The Holy Spirit is not a liquid and a vapor that you sort of run out of the Holy Spirit Then you've got to go to the Holy Spirit gas station and get filled up. No. The Holy Spirit is a person supernaturally living inside you. To be filled is to be continually under His control, yielded to His power. That's all that means. It's not like, oh, I need more filling as if you're empty. No, usually when, when people say I need to be... I need, it's like, no, it might be that you've been the boss. And you don't need more feeling. You need less control of, of your life. And you need more of the Holy Spirit controlling you. Okay? So are you Spirit-filled? If you want to hear God's voice, you've got to be submitted. You've got to be yielded. He's got to be in the driver's seat of everything. Otherwise, whose voice are you going to hear? Yourself yours okay so you got to have you got to be yielded third one am I submitted to the authority of scripture do I know how it applies to my situation all scripture is God what breathe right John 17 let's turn to John 1717 17. absolutely key verse for us here Jesus is speaking John 17:17. 17, 17. Last week I asked you, how many here want to be more like Jesus? How many of you want to be more godly? How many of you want to be more holy, right? And I think pretty much 100% of the hands went up. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? Right? What's the means? Well, in John 17:17, 17, 17, Jesus himself gives us the primary means. He's talking to his father. He says, Father, sanctify, set them apart, make them holy Usable for God's service. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So if you want to be sanctified, if you want to be set apart, if you want to be holy, Jesus says the primary means is what? The truth. The word of God. The word of God, right? Turn to Romans 12. It's going to be two books over. Acts, John, Acts, Romans 12. Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will His good and pleasing and perfect will. Transformation, sanctification comes through the renewing of your mind. Which basically means, get God's Word into you, let it transform your mind, and then your life will change. See, a lot of times, again, we want to be formulaic. Pastor, what can I do and what can't I do? And we, we, we make Christianity into conformity and compliance and external behaviors. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. If you want to follow me, if you want to be set apart, you've got to get my truth into you. And as my truth renews your mind, transformation, metamorphosis happens from the inside out. So stop. Some of us need to stop focusing on the do's and don'ts list. And we need to focus on getting this into our heart and mind. And then watch what happens to your do's and don'ts. This is the key. This is, this is the means of sanctification. This is it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, I had a question come up this week. and like, well, when, you, when you're talking about hearing God, do you mean audibly? And last week I said, no. Now, God could speak to someone audibly, okay? But I, I had a good conversation, wonderful conversation with someone. And I said, look, I've never heard God's voice audibly. You know, I thought I did when the cell phone went off. I was a little bit, you know, like Lord. But I haven't heard God's voice. And I, I told this person when someone comes to me and they have in the past and says, "Hey, brother, I have a word from the Lord for you." That's that's heavy. See, we got to be careful that these cliches that we throw out. You have a word from God. For me, well, just to let you know, in the Old Testament, if someone made a prophecy and it was false, they killed them. So be real careful if you're going to tell me you got a word from God for me. You understand what I'm saying? I I said, you know, brother, when when people say that to me, I take it with a grain of salt. I know sometimes it meant I have a word of encouragement. I have an admonition. I I have, you know, they mean it that way, not maybe a literal word. But but our words are very. You have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. Okay. So no, I have never heard God audibly. What I was saying and what I what I tried to speak to last Sunday was, was God primarily speaks through His Word, and if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You read His Word, you study His Word, you meditate on His Word, and through the Holy Spirit, He brings understanding and application. That's hearing God's voice. That's hearing God's voice. Okay. Could he supernaturally intervene in the natural course of events and go, I'm here, OVCF. He could. He's God. But primarily today, he speaks through his word. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Okay? There are specific roles and, and, and responsibilities that the Holy Spirit has. Okay? Now, as an example of this, because sometimes you're like, Oh, well, you pastors and you elders... You hear God's voice all the time, don't you? That's easy for you. And I understand that. I, I, I really understand it. So, I asked permission to have someone come up and share with you an illustration of hearing God's voice. Tina. Come on up, Tina. She's like, I'm never going to bowling again because he hit me up at bowling. <laughs> well, she's. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me just encourage you. I, have, I chatted with Tina and just asked her and, and said, Tina, I think it would be a wonderful help for everybody. Tina, uh, a few months ago, made a decision to allow uh, us and specifically Bill to come into her life and to help her in some spe- specific areas. That's, that's all I need to say. And I asked Tina, I said, Tina, what, what led up to that decision to allow us in, because you allowed us into a to part of your life that that many people just aren't comfortable with, and and you sought us out. And I said, Tina, what what led up to you making that decision to allow us and, and Bill into your life? <laughs> pinpoint one example of what exactly happened. It was just, I need to honor God and I'm not doing it on my own. I can't do it on my own. Um, obviously, I've been doing it like controlling. I can do it all myself and I can't. So, I was seeking wisdom and I figured you guys are smarter than me in some aspects. Some, Tyler, some. But, and that's plenty. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, some of you are like, that's it? That's it! She needed to honor God in her life. The application was God was showing her, speaking to her that you're not. There's control issues. You need help. She heard and responded. She heard God's voice in this area and responded. That's it. I said, was there a specific verse? She can't even remember any specific verses. It was just sort of an amalgamation, of, an accumulation of things over time where God put this conviction on her heart that you need to get some help because you got control stuff and you, not, this isn't working. Your formula is not working. And in response to hearing God, she took action. That's hearing God. That's that's kind of the simplicity of it. And and I thank you, Tina, for your willingness and your transparency and your vulnerability. Because I think for some, like I can do that. Really? Really? You didn't need to go to school to hear God? No, but what Tina was, was her heart was open. And in the struggles of this area of her life, she was honest and let God be honest and let others be honest. And through that communication, she was listening and, and 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 had a desire to respond to what God was telling her for a specific area. So she heard God. Okay? That that's kind of what it is. So we got we gotta be sold out to scripture. We gotta understand it's the means, right, that God speaks through primarily. But then we gotta take another step. And this one, I know you're still working through this, and it was uncomfortable initially to allow someone in. And I got to tell you that this one right here this is going to be a little bit challenging. We might stay here for a couple of weeks because this is one that that many of us struggle with. Even even Tyler Bill and I who have met with each other almost weekly for four and a half years, we still struggle with can I really let you all the way into my life? Can I really just be honest and real with my struggles and and the things I'm not sure about, my failures. Can I really ask for counsel? See, see this idea of, of seeking counsel to us goes against the grain of our independent, self-reliant culture. Where asking for help is a sign of what? Weakness. How many of you have ever been in any class situation, had a burning question? but we were afraid to raise your hand because you didn't want to look stupid. Thank you for putting your hand up. <laughs> Why didn't you put your hand up and ask for help? Because you didn't want to be the only one that you thought in class didn't get it. How many of have ever said, Oh, I don't want to ask that because I don't want to look stupid. Oh, that's a dumb question. Put your hand down. Don't go there. What are they going to think about you? And that that whole mindset translates into your walk with, and with Jesus, and he puts you in the body of Christ, He surrounds you with people that love you, care about you, want God's best for you, and you're like, Ugh, I don't want, I can't ask for help they might They might laugh at me. They might think that, you know, I don't have my life altogether. I do a pretty good job on Sundays fooling people. But if I let people in to see the real me. What are they going to think about me? And this is, this is one of those things, guys, where if you want to hear God's voice, you've got to be willing to seek godly counsel. You've got to let people in. you got to let people in. Man, I have heard, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, over the years, people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've been praying, and I believe this is God's will for me. And it's totally not even biblical. I'm like, really? Yeah. I just feel good about this. I feel good about it. I've been praying about it. And I believe this is God, what God wants for me. I'm like, really? Have you asked anyone else to pray with you? Have you shared this with anyone? No. I don't need to. Because I've been praying, and I feel really good about this decision. I don't need to ask anybody else. Do you know what the Bible says about this area? I don't need to know because I feel really good about this. And I've been praying all by myself for a really long time. So, I don't need the Bible and I don't need other people because I feel really good about this. It's happened. We're so good at convincing ourselves, rationalizing, justifying. And the scary thing is, when you let people into your life to speak the truth in love, not to be yes-men, not to be yes-women, but to objectively come into your life and give you counsel biblically, you might hear someone say, I don't think you're hearing God. Because this is what the Bible says. And it's always kind of tough to let yourself be that vulnerable to being wrong, misled, deceived, even by yourself. So this is Am I seeking godly counsel? Right? Turn to first Samuel three. First Samuel's way back in the after Judges, Ruth, First Samuel three. First Samuel three. Story of Samuel, a young boy who was ministering in the temple. Right, have been dedicated, have been trained. Some believe, okay, as I've been doing research, some believe that although he had been in church in the church, quote unquote, temple, serving in the temple, he didn't really yet have a relationship with God. He was just well trained in how to serve in the temple. Right. First Samuel three, verse one. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Okay? So he's just like, this is new to me. He He had never had this experience. Some believe that this was kind of like the Apostle Paul when he was saved. The call and conversion were happening at the same time. Okay? If you understand that verse a little bit. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And i can not spend a lot of time on this other than this. Samuel needed help to figure out what was going on. Samuel needed Eli to say, hey dude, it's God talking. See, Samuel was in. He was ministering. He was trained up. He was dedicated. He was doing all kinds of churchy stuff. But he didn't know God's voice. He needed Eli's help to discern that it was really God talking to him. See, the beginning point of allowing people into our lives is to admit that I need help in this area. I go to church. I serve. I do a lot of church. But hearing God's voice, that's new to me. Okay, that's that's the takeaway from this story. Samuel was involved in a lot of the temple duties. He was doing a lot of temple stuff, but he didn't yet know what God's voice sounded like. He needed Eli to point that out to him. In our lives, we can be very familiar with church and how to do church, but we may not... No, in our lives, God's voice. And God may need somebody in this room or somebody's in this room to help you hear God's voice. That's it. Okay? Let's look at a bunch of Proverbs that speak to letting people in. Turn to Proverbs 11. If you're in the reading plan, you should, a lot of these are going to be familiar with. This will be the third time, well, third or fourth time you've been reading through this. Proverbs 11 We're just going to do a quick survey. We're just going to read them and keep moving through the book. Proverbs 11:14 For lack of guidance a nation falls, but many advisers make victory sure. Proverbs 12:15 The way of a fool seems right to him but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, 31. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. All right? Let's go to Proverbs 19. Listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be what? Wise. In 1 Corinthians 12.21, it says, Hey, you're in the body of Christ. One, body, one part of the body can't say to the other part, I don't need you. You have to understand, as a believer, as part of the body of Christ, there is a mutual dependence we have on each other. So if you're seeking God's will, you can't do it independently. You're not designed that way. In fact, a lot of us get in trouble when we slide into, oh, I don't need to seek counsel. I don't need you. First Corinthians twelve twenty one says, you can't say to another part of the body, I don't need you. We, by default, are in a mutual dependent relationship. Every part needs each other, even for counsel, right? One of the specific ways that you can do it, okay, we're going to put some meat on this. It says they're enlisting others to help you discern your shape, right? So if you want to hear God's voice, one area would be, okay, Lord, well, how have you uniquely served, shaped me? We call it shaped in ministry. It's a little tool we've used to help people, uh, in one sense, specifically discover where they can serve in the church based on how God made them. But it, it applies to your whole life. Shape your spiritual gifts. Do you know them? What are your spiritual gifts? Because if you're a believer, the Bible says you've been given spiritual gifts. Do you know them? Right? H is heart. What is your passion? What's your passion in life? Right? What gets you going? What motivates you? What drives you? Right? Abilities. Your talents, knowledge, and skills. Your personality. Your character. Your strengths. Your weaknesses. Okay? And then your experiences. Your life experiences. What you've gained from them. What they've taught you. See a beginning point? would it be to surround yourself with some people to say, hey, can you help me figure out how God shaped me? It's absolutely vital. Because if we're to walk, we saw in Ephesians last Sunday, we're to walk intelligently on this planet, as wise, not as unwise. Part of that is you've got to know how God shaped you. Your gifts, your heart, your abilities, personality, experiences. You need people to, to help you with that. How many of you have a hard time seeing your weaknesses? How many of you are sitting next to someone who doesn't have a hard time seeing your weaknesses? (laughs) We all got blind spots. We all do. We all have blind sides. Weaknesses, character faults, right? If you don't let people in, how are you going to get a true picture of yourself? That's a... Seeking counsel is so important. And it's so important what we're going to do after the Hell series. We're going to spend, we're going to do a real practical, fun, hands on, workshoppy Wednesday night series on your shape. And each Wednesday night, we're going to have worksheets and we're going to do activities to help you. And we're going to walk through each of these. You can do a spiritual gifts test. You're going to do your heart, your abilities through May. May and June, we're going to do Wednesday nights. Come and find out your shape. And here's the thing it's going to be group activity. Uh-oh. Attendance just went... Uh, I want to find the shape just for me. You mean I have to let others tell me about my shape if you want to know the truth. You see, this is part of that being part of the body and speaking the truth in love. Because out of care and concern, we want God's best for you. We don't need to be surrounded by yes people. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. There's a tradition they were saying, the Quakers when the Quakers were uh, in their position in their life where they were trying to discern God's will and God's voice, the Quakers, by themselves, not the pastors, just the Quaker, a follower of Christ, would develop, would create a clearness committee. And a clearness committee co- consisted of up to a half a dozen people that this person would intentionally ask, share what's going on in their life, and ask for their input to get clearness and clarity. He would, he would surround himself, she would surround himself with a clearness committee and say, here's where I am. Here's what I'm trying to discern. I need some honest input. I need some godly input, some prayer. And I want you to ask me questions that challenge my heart, challenge my motives. Because I need clarity. I need to get clear on this. Whew. How many of us would even be willing to invite one person in, let alone Six. For a clearness committee, but if we want to be honest, right? If we want to just get to the place where, Lord, yeah, I want to hear Your voice, and I admit I like Samuel, I need help. So, Lord, I, I'm just going to develop a clearness committee, and I want to share, and I just want to ask You to use them to help me get clear. That's it, right? So, there's a shape thing there, and we're going to we're going to spend a lot of time on it. But here's the thing, okay? There's a balance to this whole idea of getting counsel. And we have to be very careful about it. Because when you give counsel, it's different. You know, if Tina gives me counsel, comes to me for counsel, it's one thing for, for me to seek God, share the truth with her, and give her counsel. It's another thing to, for, to me to turn counseling into control. I'm I'm to give counsel and and wisdom and insight, but I'm not to control her life. Radical difference, right? There's individual accountability. So I want to seek counsel, and I'm going to genuinely listen to it, but I don't necessarily need people to control my life. It's very important that there's a healthy boundary that you need to maintain, right? Why is that? Because all of us here, and we're going to spend more time on this next week, all of us here are individually accountable to God. You are all, I, will stand before the judgment seat to give an answer for our life, even as a believer, individually. So, there's, there's motivation for me to get clearness on, on my life because I'm going to have to answer for my life. So I'm going to need help from those God puts in my life because I have to answer to Him. Tina is responsible to God, not me. Very important. Very important. If you want to give godly counsel, you give counsel, but you release them to God. You've got to release them to God. You speak the truth, but then they have to make their own decision before the Lord because they're going to stand before the Lord alone very important that we maintain that. This is why some churches get very controlling and what people call legalistic. Well, they tell you what to do and you can't do this and you can't do that and this. At this church, if you come to me for counsel or anyone here, we're going to first and foremost go to this, share this truth with you, help you apply it if you want, and then we're going to trust you to God. We are not here to run your life. We're not an enforcement agency. We're here to shepherd. We're here to shepherd. Years and years ago at another church I was at, someone got upset at me as a pastor. They were going through a a relational struggle. And they said said to, to me and the elders, I want you to make him. And when we counseled and said, we can't make anyone do anything. That wasn't what they were hoping to hear. So I just want you to know, we're not here to get in your life and control your life and ruin your life when there's no fun. Heck, we were bowling for three hours, right? We're here to give you godly, biblical counsel, to pray with you, to help bring application, to help bring clarity. But here's the thing, I'm telling you right now, you are going to stand before God on your own. You individually are accountable to God for your life. The weight of I, the weight I carry? Well, I got to kind of answer <laughs> for my faithfulness to help you do that. That's the weight I carry, and and that's my calling. That's great, and I love it. But just understand my heart. I love you dearly, but your life is your life. Your life is your life. I'm gonna I'm gonna lovingly speak the truth to you all the time because this is all I got. I'm going to help you apply it. But your life is your life. You're accountable. And I know, and we're going to close with this, and here's the thing. One of the the heartbreaks of, of pastoring and one of the heartbreaks of even parenting, if you've been a parent, is when you love someone so much and you want God's best for them so bad, Sometimes I think even more than they want God's will for them. And you know, you believe with all your heart if they would just yield and just submit and just begin the smallest step of application that that the, 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 the ship would just start to turn slowly. And over time it would and and you, you just have this passion, come on man, just make the call, make the decision. We're here, we're here and just just to, and they they don't. And they just keep going. Next week we're going to see in the Bible, there's just varying responses to receiving counsel. And one of the challenges we have as the body of Christ is to love each other deeply and yet to say, Tina, you're accountable to God. Hey, I'm, not, I'm, here to, I'm not here to control your life. you got to make those calls. And if Tina chooses to still go down that path, it's just heartbreak It's just tough. That's just part of it. That's just part of it. And so I, 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 I share this with you guys because opening up our lives to seek counsel is tough, especially in our culture. We are so image-driven, so image-driven that we can't even ask a brother or sister in Christ for help. That's that voice of fear, pride, whatever you want to call it. So my encouragement to us as we close, and just spend some time this week working through this issue of seeking counsel. Because I, I, I'm going to give you the benefit of doubt. I mean, everyone here wants to be like Jesus. Everyone here, I know, desires to hear God's voice. No one here probably is intentionally, you know, thumbing their nose at God. You wouldn't be here. So, just spend some time this week and say, Lord, why do I struggle so much with letting people in, with seeking counsel? We talked about getting out of the boat, right? Peter had to get out of the boat. For many of us, you know what our boat is? Fear of what others are going to think about me. We're, we know we need counsel, we know we can't do it on our own we're in this boat and it says fear of what others will think if you step out and you become vulnerable that's why I was so glad that Candy's phone went off because here's the thing no, no, no no, Candy I'm I'm, 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 I'm not doing this here's the thing she didn't intend that it was just life it's just life it's okay in church, we try so hard. We've got to do service right. Scott Scott has the right song, plays the wrong one. I'm looking over like, how come he's playing Change My Heart? He's, he's looking at We Bow Down. How does that work? Why is that? It's called life. And at church, we've got to do the service just perfect. No cell phones. Right? Do the offering. Scott, play the song. We rehearsed in 7:30, bro. Play the song. You know, I mean, we if we wanted to, we could go all crazy here, right? And you know what you guys would do? You'd be here on time and scared to death. But what do we do? We 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 have structure here. God is a god of order, but we understand life. Cell phones go off. You play the wrong song. <laughs> I, I, I just want you to know we love you dearly here we are sold out to God God, God's word we're going to give you godly biblical counsel but your life is your life we're not here to control you and here's the thing we get we get life we get cell phones we get music we, you know I, I've shared with you before if you find the perfect church don't join it because you'll ruin it right Nobody in here is perfect. I get that. I get that. And I want you to hear it from me. We get that. So when you come for counsel, and, and we may disagree on what you think, and it's not that we're trying to ruin your life. It's like we love you. Speak the truth in love literally as truthing in love. That's what we do here. We truth in love. We give you the grace to be human. We give you the grace to be imperfect. We're going to truth in love. And together... We're just going to follow the shepherd. Amen? Lord, thank You for our time this morning. and Thank You for, for reminding us in, in fun ways even that life is messy and life isn't perfect and we're not perfect. And as we prepare for communion, Jesus, we're reminded in our imperfections of how grateful we are for grace. And your love that while we were yet sinners, you died for us, Jesus. And so maybe today, maybe for communion, we just need to take a deep breath and go, Oh, thank you, God. I don't have to have it all together. And it's not about do's and don'ts and compliance and putting on a good show. It's just about discerning your voice, Jesus, and doing my best to follow you. And Jesus, you're the prime example. You followed your Father's voice even unto the cross. So, Jesus, we remember you, your sacrifice. We also remember that when you heard the voice, you were obedient, you submitted. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, in this time of communion and reflection, Lord, would you speak to our hearts in this area of counsel? Maybe for many here, this morning God is saying, it's time. You need a clearness committee. You need to let people in who will speak the truth in love and help you be who God created you to be. So we give you this time of communion now, Jesus.